0: Which one am I? The red or the green line? Or the orange?
1: you the orange. Okay. I specifically picked orange for you.
0: Perfect. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I know that that's your favorite My color. favorite color. Welcome to the Heart to Bark, a podcast for people who love their animals and want to learn more about them. I am your host, Austin. Come, sit. And stay tuned as we talk with experts on the health and well being of our furry, scaly, and even feathery friends. My name is Austin, and I'll be your host on today's show. My guest today is Dr. Mark Besanson. He has practiced veterinary medicine for the past 17 years, I believe. I'm going to pick his brain on the topic of doggy health. We are going to learn about checkups, vax, heartworms, and more on this episode of Heart to Bark. If you enjoy listening to this type of content, be sure to hit the plus button to get updates on new episodes. Here we go.
0: Here we go.
1: All right. Welcome to Heart to Bark podcast, Dr. Mark. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Austin?
1: Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice chilly morning and I'm ready for an amazing show.
0: Absolutely. I really like this mic.
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty nice. It's yeah. definitely different to start getting used yeah. to.
0: Uh, being a veterinarian and talking into a microphone, yeah, this yeah. is definitely something new for me. Yeah. So I appreciate you having me.
1: Yeah. No doubt. So I just wanted to get into the show. Today we're going to be talking about dog health, so generally kind of like an adult dog. Uh, We'll have some other episodes that are going to go into like puppies and and, uh, kittens and cats and things of that nature, but today I want to act as if, as I'm a dog owner myself, it would be nice to know what things I could do to give my pups the best life possible, and so I'd like to dive into some. So I'm going to open up a little scenario. Say I was going out and I went and got a rescue dog, one or two years old, I bring her home. Now, what do I do? What is the first thing that I should probably do whenever I bring that new dog home?
0: Yeah. So if you have a a rescue dog that's been out on the streets, not sure what they've been exposed to, uh, probably one of the first things you want to do is quarantine the dog. So especially if you have other pets in your house, you want to make sure that you uh, put this one in an area where your other pets are not so that they don't spread potential infections, parasites uh, to your pets until you can get them in to see a veterinarian uh, where they can evaluate.
1: So like for that, you're talking about like just putting them in a different
0: room and and keeping them separate. Do they can they go in the same yard or what? so, so every scenario is different. So, owners have, you know, some people live in an apartment. Some people live in, you know, a large house with a washroom that's available. So, you know your scenario, you know your situation at home, the best thing to do, and the size of the animal. So, you know, is it a Great Dane versus a little Chihuahua? You know, I mean, your 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 different um, setups are going to have to be different for that. But the biggest thing that you're going to want to avoid is is direct contact Uh, mites like to uh, pass from one to the other from direct contact Uh, you want to separate from where they void so uh, feces and urine there are some infectious and parasites uh, that can spread in the feces so hookworms roundworms whipworms from a parasite standpoint in the feces parvo If you have a dog less than a year old uh, or two years old, even, you want to uh, make sure that you keep them separated. And then uh, fleas, ticks, mites are kind of the topical thing. So, you know, really just evaluate your environment at home and how can you prevent contact of that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And we'll go into a little bit more of the detail of some of those specifics. So I bring my dog home. Now I need to pick a veterinarian and and go take them to the vet?
0: The The best thing to do is, you know, talk to other people that have pets, you know, word of mouth is probably the biggest uh, form of, you know, getting the 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 best veterinarian. And, and, and really what you want to do is, even if you, I mean, I have some clients that, you know, they actually try out different veterinarians in a sense. So, so they kind of go and see if their personalities match. I mean, there's definitely, uh, their staff as well. Uh, you know, some people go to a vet clinic for the staff and, you know, sometimes not even necessarily the vet, uh, you know, we get requests for, Certain staff members all the time, and so uh, basically, just kind of do your own vetting process with um, word of mouth, get on the internet, look at reviews, things like that. So,
1: okay, and uh, so we need to get them checked out. You know, kind of like you would as a human. You just need to to get them uh, an exam. Is there any certain tests or things that you need to do, or things that you like to do on a on a first dog? Yes,
0: yeah, so. You know, when they come in, You know, a good history is always important. And, you know, have they had diarrhea? Are they scratching? Is there hair loss, um, shaking the head? You know, and that's going to pinpoint us and kind of direct us to a direction to go and look and see, okay, uh, you know, this one might have ear mites. He's been shaking his head. Or there's hair loss on the tail head. Okay, we need to check for fleas. Or he's scooting on the carpet. You know, there's a lot of different things, uh, you know, that's tapeworms potentially. That that kind of point us in a direction. So first things a history, and then an overall exam, and we'll typically do that in one setting. You know, they come in, and will I usually will get my history as I'm examining the dog, and my exam will focus on what the owner is telling me.
1: Okay, so as an owner, I would bring them home, and I would just watch for any of the things uh, that strike me as odd, and I would bring them up to my veterinarian.
0: Absolutely. So it starts, you know because these guys can't talk to us, a history is huge for veterinarians. Uh, you know, you are their voice. And as an owner, that helps to direct me and other vets to, you know, what we need to look for. And then the dog that gives us clues based off of what the owner is seeing as well. So you we put that all together uh, with an exam and a, a history is super important. You know, now saying that, if you have a stray or that you have no history, that makes it a little more difficult. You know, we don't know, you know, what their past was. So we just have to go with what we know for the short time that they've been with the owner.
1: Also, uh, so I guess segue doing, say like vaccinations, like you would do, uh, with humans or
0: is that, uh, Is that something you do with both dogs and cats? Yeah, so absolutely. So vaccines are super important. And, you know, that all comes down to how healthy is the patient. So we want to vaccinate an otherwise healthy animal. And so if we already have, you know, diarrhea and we're super sick, then we may not vaccinate that day. So we want to get the animal healthy and then we will vaccinate.
1: Just that immune system up.
0: Got to get the immune system up. Yep. So,
1: um, and as far as other things, what are the things that you're wanting them to potentially start on? Um, I've heard of things like, you know, heartworms, uh, fleas, things like that. Are those things that you're looking for right then? Do you think that, um, like animal control or some of the places, the rescues that you have, are they already starting them on some of those things?
0: Right. So, you know, heartworm disease is huge in dogs. And so that is one of the first things that we're going to check for. Uh, Most shelters are performing heartworm tests. So, you know, once again, you're going to have to just, I mean, if you just walk and you're driving, you find a dog on the street, you know, obviously nothing has been done. If you are getting a pet from a, shelter or rescue situation, you may, I mean, obviously you're going to want to ask them, hey, what have y'all done? What's already been, you know, have vaccines already been done? Have y'all done a heartworm test? And so those fecal exam, uh, you know, a lot of these shelters and rescues already do that. And, you know, I mean, that goes into some of the the fees that are, you know, these guys charge is it basically just covers some of that stuff. So, but yes, I, I would highly recommend a heartworm test, vaccinations, fecal um, with a deworming. A lot of your heartworm preventions have dewormers in them, but we definitely go through all of that as well. Okay.
1: Also, is there any certain blood work or preventative testing that you need to do? Is that like dog specific?
0: Well, so, you know, from a a blood work and a testing standpoint, so if this dog walks in and it's loaded with ticks, you know, we're probably going to run a test that's going to check for tick-borne diseases. So once again, it all falls back to uh, our history and our exam. It, routine blood work from a function of organ standpoint, uh, you know, a chem- what we call a chemistry panel, is going to check liver function, kidney function. So if this little guy walks in and he is super skinny, seems to be more than just malnutrition. You know, we're probably going to want to recommend some blood work and just make sure that we're not dealing with something more serious. Uh, you know, from a general health standpoint.
1: Okay. And as far as getting them spayed or neutered, I I know that that's a big thing. I'm assuming that generally the Animal control and all of that kind of gets that done. But if you got a dog that wasn't from a, a
0: rescue or whatnot, uh, when do you recommend doing that? Yeah, so spaying and neuter is super important. The, uh, the typical recommendation that I have is anytime after 12 weeks. And that's the big reason is for anesthesia purposes, uh, you know, not necessarily. Could they be done sooner? Absolutely. And 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 I have on certain occasions done them younger when we're dealing with, you know, a rescue and, and a transport situation. And these guys just need to be spayed and neutered before. And they do fine. It's just, you know, most of the time uh, I like to do them after 12 weeks old. There is, you know, theories and different uh, thought processes out there that, oh, I need to wait till you know, they're six months old, or they've gone through a heat cycle, or it's going to stunt their growth. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, data and theories that back those, I won't, I won't go into those in this podcast. But, um, you know, I mean, the goal of spaying and neuter is not just for reproduction purposes. There's multiple other reasons from a health standpoint uh, that we spay and neuter. But that is uh, just one part of the many reasons we spay and neuter our pets.
1: Okay. Um, say if I bring my pet home and it's a, a female and, and she's in heat, can we still do that?
0: So, absolutely. So, spaying and neutering, um, and in this case, spaying is, you know, removing the ovaries and the uterus of a female. And you can do that at any stage of their heat cycle, um, you know, even even pregnancy, so it is something that we can uh, spay these guys at any point. Does you risk increase a little bit? Absolutely, uh, not enough that I would not do it. But you know, there's increased blood flow and things like that, and so to the uterus. And sometimes you may incur an additional cost, and the reason is for that. You know, it is a little bit more involved to spay them when they're in heat, but it does not mean that you cannot do it.
1: Shifting gears, I know that a lot of people are doing this microchipping and uh, assuming that they didn't get it from the actual rescue. What are your thoughts on microchipping and can you find them with your phone?
0: Yeah, so microchipping, I mean, there's, uh, is definitely something that I highly recommend. You know, basically the way microchipping works is there's a little uh, large rice grain sized chip that basically it there there's no battery in it so where where it's it's scanned is actually the scanner that we use externally has you know the battery and picks up uh, a little reading and a number out of the chip but this chip is inserted in between the shoulder blades typically on uh, dogs and what it does is it it then has a number that you register online With your information and if this little one ever gets lost then going to a shelter if it gets picked up at a facility one of the first things that you know we as vets uh, shelters animal controls I mean their first thing they're going to do is they're going to scan this dog right over the shoulder blade and they're going to look for a microchip that's going to give them a number and then they're going to put that number in a database and it should pull up the information of the owner. So you want to keep that information updated, um, you know, depending on what microchip brand you have, uh, but highly recommend that it is not a tracking device. I know you're looking cause you were fixing to ask me that.
1: I was, yeah, no, <laughs> down, that is definitely the question. I mean, in today's day and age, you just expect everything to just have an app on your phone where you can just geolocate your dog. Whatever <laughs> it is.
0: Uh, you know, and unfortunately, the, the microchips that we're using are not uh, able to track. There are some tracking devices, but they're external. So they're usually on collars. And the reason is, is there has to be a battery involved with that because it actually has to emit, uh, you know, a signal that requires a battery. And so the the microchips, so I mentioned earlier, they do not have batteries in them and why they're so small um, so that has been the reason there has not been an implantable uh, microchip that does tracking.
1: On uh, another note, uh, I know that uh, we also you also recommend doing kind of like dentals or teeth cleaning. Um, I know my own dogs, uh, they can get some pretty bad teeth pretty early on. What, what are the time frames that you recommend doing that?
0: Yeah, so dentals, you know, they're going to be losing their... Te- you know, if this is a puppy that you picked up or found, um, you know, they start losing their uh, incisors or their little front teeth, you know, right around four months. And then their canines come in at six months, and then they start to lose their molars and premolars, uh, you know, typically over the next several months. And so, from a dental standpoint, I mean, you can definitely clean the the baby, or we call them deciduous teeth, uh, not typically... Done routinely, uh, the uh, we'll usually do these. You know, after a year, and then you know, typically annually, or if you know, usually toy breed dogs have really bad teeth, and so uh, biannually is sometimes something that we'll do. And um, you know, just keeping those teeth clean with uh, routine dentals is is actually pretty crucial.
1: Well, yeah, especially since they say that uh, dogs age. Seven years to our one year, and Absolutely. That, uh, six months is is still quite a bit of time in between compared to a, a normal person getting their teeth
0: clean. Yeah, and I'll probably say this over and over on these podcasts. You know, uh, you know when we talk about annual and biannual exams, it's the one to seven is. You know, if if we see a dog once a year, that would be like us as humans going to the doctor every seven years. And could you imagine not going to see your doctor for seven years? Could you imagine what happens in that seven years? And then the same if you cut that in half and do a biannual exam. Uh, then, you know, you're, would be like us going every three and a half years to our doctor. And yeah, that's just unheard of. Yeah, and still- so, you know, it, I mean, they can't come in every month, which would be like us coming in once a year ish um, to our doctor. Uh, it's just not realistic, but you know, it's why we stress biannual in dogs older than seven and you know annual exams uh, in dogs that are otherwise healthy and less than six years old, seven years old. So yeah, and that's anything
1: that you can prevent is 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 way better than trying to treat it afterwards.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I can I can definitely keep your pet alive longer, if I can catch something sooner than trying to backtrack and treat it after it's already been happening for a long time. So, uh, definitely helps. All
1: right. Do you have any other things to look at as they start to get into the geriatric age?
0: Yeah. So, as, as they start to get older, it's typically breed specific. So, we have, uh, you know, you have your older dogs that our large breed arthritis so you know we're gonna really probably question you know the owner a lot about okay are we getting up slow things like that Uh, you know certain breeds with you know toy breeds dental disease we're gonna look at that pretty heavy you know your allergy dogs we're gonna look at that so I mean it's hard to say, okay, what are we specifically going to look at? Because it's going to be pretty breed specific. There's a lot of them that have certain issues that we see with certain breeds. Boxers are very known for tumors. So, you know, we're going to really look over their skin and check for skin tumors and things like that. So, uh, you know, we can go... Oh, geez, there's tons of topics we can talk about. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> so, no
1: doubt. I definitely know with uh, my Cocker Spaniel, just with the ears and, ears, and yes. allergies and stuff, that was always a big thing. So I'm sure for each breed, it's it's definitely different.
0: You know, with that, I would, I would say, you know, as uh, just a shout out to people listening. You know, if y'all have a topic that you want us to talk about, Austin and I are more than happy to talk about it. Uh, just shoot us an email, uh, info at drmarkvet, and we can definitely get it on the list to uh, to talk about it yeah, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. This is this is fun to know. Yeah,
1: the, we would be happy to to help y'all uh, in your learning process of it, and the more people that know more about it, uh, the better that we can prevent some of these things or help these these puppies absolutely if you enjoy listening to this type of content then hit that subscribe button for new episodes every tuesday for more information about this podcast or printable pdfs visit our website at drmark.vet that's d-r-m-a-r-k dot v-e-t and feel free to email us about new topics to put on the show at info at drmark.vet thank you have a great day